I am Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast by Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. This is a special edition of What's the Story, where we give you an inside look into Light Reading's Leading Lights Awards finalists. Today, I'm talking with Ian Morris and Nicole Ferraro about the awards categories that they reviewed. We discussed trends in brand products, private wireless networks, cloud products and services, public-private connectivity partnerships, digital equity, and more. Hey, Ian, welcome to the Leading Lights Awards finalist review edition of What's the Story? Hi, Kelsey. How are you doing? Good. I'm still working on my super duper <laughs> intro, so I hope that was good. Works for me. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so you had about, I think, four categories to review um, this year for Leading Lights. So um, tell us a little bit about what some of the highlights or trends were that you noticed. I know you did, uh, one of them was most innovative RAN product or solution. So maybe we start there. Yeah, I mean, the four categories, um, lots of entries, actually. That's one trend. There were a huge number of <laughs> <laughs> which is always a good sign, I guess. Good, good for us and good to see this interest. But um, And uh, yes, yeah, so it was quite hard picking. I mean, the, the RAN one that you mentioned, most innovative RAN product or solution, um, is obviously a really broad area, as you'd expect in, in kind of a big market. Um, I think one, I mean, if I'm going to pick out little things, perhaps in a couple of the categories, one standout for me in that one was um, a company called Reliance Geo in India. It's quite well known as the now the biggest operator, but it came along a few years ago as a startup, basically, and has done something really unprecedented in overtaking the incumbents and, and becoming the biggest operator. And there's this huge 5G rollout now going on in India, um, which is very helpful for the equipment vendors because the overall market's not doing very well. They're sort of relying on India in a way, but it's developing some of its own small cell tech for outdoor use. Um, and we've seen, you know, if you look at Rakuten in Japan, they're similarly kind of active, I think, when it comes to steering around development. And Geo seems to be going down that route as well. They've, they've kind of, you know, the, the part of the group um, that Radisys belongs to, which was acquired a few years ago by Reliance Industries. And there's kind of this big push to have homegrown Indian technologies. So I thought this this update that they had on on small cell tech for outdoor use, and there's only a limited amount I can say about it because they... Some of these entries, obviously, things that, that they put in the entry, uh, they don't want revealed. But I thought that was a, a real uh, standout for me. And then another one that I liked was um, Marvel um, technology, very much on the semiconductor side and seem to he- keep hearing more and more about semiconductors at the moment, I think, in the industry and something I've been writing about. But they're, they're a really big deal in 5G. People probably wouldn't know, but they kind of... Um, did this deal with Nokia a few years ago, and they've been really pivotal, I think, that that partnership in Nokia's turnaround. So if you remember back to 2019, 2020, Nokia wasn't doing very well in the 5G market. It was perceived to sort of fallen behind. And I think a lot of the interest in open RAN actually came out of um, people worrying that, you know, if we start banning Chinese vendors and we don't have Nokia either as a competitive solution, it's Ericsson or nothing. And and a lot of their, their rebound, I think, has actually come about through this, partnership with Marvell. They have this five nanometer chipset that they've developed that's going into base stations and being used for cloud RAN deployment. So 
Um, I mean, those are the sort of chips a few years ago you were finding in, in smartphones and then now going into network equipment. So so those, those, those would have been the main standouts for me, I guess, on the round side. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's a good point. And Nokia has fully admitted that they were a little late in the game with um, 5G, but they're pretty committed to, um, you know, being uh, earlier with, with 6G. So yes, yeah. <laughs> lesson learned there. Um, interesting. Yeah, that that is interesting, too, about the um, chips being used in, in base stations and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, my other ones, I had um, I had a private wireless network, so kind of related area, I guess. Um, outstanding use case, private wireless, net, private wireless networks, obviously a big topic at the moment in the industry. It's one of those areas people are hoping growth's coming from. Um, and I thought it was good. I mean, there's a lot of examples in the entries there of, you know, cost savings that you can realize and, and benefits at specific facilities, people talking about some of these new architectures that we're that we're hearing about all the time to do with open RAN and virtualization, use of the cloud. I think one thing for me is um, you wonder about the scalability, I guess, maybe of some of this. And I think that's why, you, you know, some areas are a really good opportunity for specialists focused maybe on one vertical, say, and there were some entries that were very much to do with that. I thought there was um, there was quite a funny one, actually, I thought from, I mean, not funny in a ha-ha, it's a rubbish entry, but just sort of make <laughs> But, Thanks um, for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah, I have to be careful what I'm saying. But right. there's a slightly amusing entry from Samsung where they're they're using what they call brainless robots in a in a private but network. Okay, it are, did make me laugh. <laughs> it's kind of like um, an office campus. It sounds like I can't. Again, it's one of those things I probably can't mention the name of the the, the, the customer and everything. But I think there's a certain amount I could get away with saying. Um, and they, the, these brainless robots, as they call them, they sort of serve as assistants for em- employees. So they, they fetch coffee, provide lunch, you know, deliver packages. And it's all kind of powered from the cloud, in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, instead of using sophisticated built-in chipsets. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of wondering if you combine that maybe with, I mean, one thing I didn't see very much of this year, but I bet we will next year, is, is generative AI. Some, some of this stuff, I'm sure, is going to try, going to get combined with some of these you know, these private wireless use cases, you'll probably see people talking about things like that, how you could enhance it with Gen AI. I mean, if you imagine Gen AI maybe combined with robotics, which I think has been discussed in the past, it all starts to get mm-hmm. quite, um, I don't want to say yeah. terminal, like, but. <laughs> like, of, if I only had a brain, yeah. coming soon. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I, had, yeah. I, had to, I had to take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> I would love a brainless robot uh, to bring like coffee and lunch. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. Can they clean those. my bathroom for me? <laughs> cool. I hate doing um, that. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, so you... <laughs> We digress. Uh, you also had a uh, customer experience. What, did, what yeah. did you glean from that category? That's, I mean, that's real. I said the brand, mark, the brand one was broad. I mean, that's really broad because you had entries that were to do with, um, I mean, it's such a, it's, it could be anything really customer experience. So some of the, it, I mean, one of the hard things about judging that I think was um, picking out common things to score people on really you know i mean some of some of them were specific deployments to do with technology and some of them were very much about the kind of back office stuff which i think you'd associate more with when someone says customer experience you start to think about oss and elements of that elements of bss um one one that i would mention and i think we've probably talked about them before and we've certainly written about them which i thought was a good entry uh, an interesting entry was was sandvine um 
you know, they're they're kind of a pretty interesting company, I think, nowadays on the analytics AI front, generate a lot of data about network usage and which applications are being used the most, which web websites are kind of showing up most on, you know, in terms of traffic. Um, and the idea for customers is that you, you know, you kind of use network and device analytics, I guess, to figure out potential problems and then you can address those issues and directly spending accordingly. Um, and I think, you know, going back to Gen AI, I think there's a lot of talk about that at the moment, but it's sometimes forgotten that AI, I don't really like the expression AI that much. I mean, machine learning and analytics, it's actually been a long, you know, around for a long time in the telecom sector for some of these companies. And um, it's already used in this area quite a lot. So I think they're, they're one company for me that's really interesting to watch and, and, and see what they're doing in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. The, and something that I feel like we've struggled with a lot is the term AI gets thrown around and it's, it's not always quite the accurate label for what some of these companies are doing. And like you said, some of this has been around for a long time. And I know um, Mike got a little frustrated with some of his categories where it's all about AI chatbots and, you know, every, everybody's doing that. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you grab hold of that acronym at the moment and stick it on your product or company, then probably your share price goes up about three times. So exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 But we've seen that happen before in the telco sector, obviously. For um, sure. All the time. Yep. <laughs> It'll be another one yep. in a couple of years time. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like brainless robot AI, MLM. I don't know. <laughs> Put brainless in there. It'll be great. <laughs> that could be a future one. Yeah. Future use case. <laughs> All right. So finally, I think you had cloud, uh, most innovative cloud product and service. What was interesting yeah. there? It was interesting. I, I, there's not specific companies I've mentioned because I think there were more there maybe where people said they didn't want details revealed. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to bring up specific players. I mean, the trend, I suppose, for me, I think that's a, an interesting area trend wise when, when it comes to telco, because the big question for me at the moment and the thing that we're going to be probably talking about at our own Network X show later in the year to some extent and, and other things that are coming up in the next next few weeks is how, how reliant telcos are going to be, I guess, on the public cloud as opposed to private clouds and on-premises deployments and what kind of mix we see of people like AWS and Microsoft and Google, um, some of whom were, you know, did feature in this category against you know, the, the likes of, um, of, you know, Red Hat, Wind River, VMware, these companies that very much get associated with the private cloud um, opportunity. Not that there's a total distinction. I mean, they would all point out that you can use their platforms and run them in a public cloud environment. But there are all these really sort of unusual models emerging at the moment. You've now got this idea of the public cloud technology stack, but actually deployed in a in a kind of telco facility, which is the sort of thing I think that, AT&T and Microsoft have been doing in 5G, even though it's very much reported at first as a AT&T moving its 5G network into the public cloud. It's actually a bit more nuanced than that. So I think what one thing, I mean, that came up in a lot of the entries. And I think it's, you know, if, if I'm talking about this more from a sort of trend perspective rather than calling out specific companies, I think that's one really interesting thing to look out for um, in terms of, you know, who might win and, you um, uh, you know, what we're all going to be talking about, I suppose, over the next few months and, and the decisions that telcos are going to be taking. Yeah, and I feel like that's been something that's been building for a while. Like you said, how how reliant telcos will be on uh, the public cloud. Um, and, you know, it's just been interesting to watch that, 
relationship with the hyperscalers and the telcos um, change over the years too, from competitors to the don't love totally. the phrase coopetition, but yeah, and, and it's an odd one <laughs> frenemies. for them. <laughs> yeah. Frenemies is a good one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they kind of are that. They 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 obviously compete, and I think there's just this worry about balance of power, really, in a way. It's, right. It's, you know, you go back 10 years and some of these companies weren't even there uh, or they were certainly much, much smaller from a, a kind of, you know, market cap perspective and in terms of what they're making sales and profits. And, you know, they've soared while the telcos have kind of just been flat, really. And right. it's, um, you know, the, a lot of the things that used to get talked about, like the edge opportunity and um, service innovation, I think there, there was perceived to be a bigger role, a bigger opportunity perhaps for telcos a few years ago than than is obvious now. So it's, I think there's a bit of nervousness on on the telco part that they were seem to have lost out very much on the consumer side. I think with with things like the iPhone and some of the service innovation that happened on top of networks, and um, you know, there's, there's 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 fear that that could go even further with enterprise opportunities and things like that. So, but at the same yeah. time, obviously, there's huge benefits to be had in you know in in running. Um, workloads in the public cloud in using AI that's hosted in the public cloud. There are huge cost savings to be had. There's there's all sorts of um of other attractions in doing that. So yeah, how they how they make decisions, how the CTOs decide on that is is obviously quite a hard one for them and something for us to press them on as well, obviously, when we meet these guys at shows. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well I think that's a that's a great place to leave it. Uh thanks Ian. Appreciate you going over these with us. Thanks, Kelsey. Hey, Nicole, welcome to What's the Story, the Leading Lights edition. Uh, an honor to be here. Thank you for, for having me. Fancy. Um, you had a couple categories to review um, to decide on finalists for the Leading Lights. Tell us a little bit about um, some of the highlights and, and trends that you noticed uh, across those categories. Yeah, sure. So um, a couple of categories I'll talk about. Uh, the first one um, I looked at was public-private partnerships. Um, and I thought it was notable that service providers seem to be engaging in public-private partnerships in all sorts of interesting ways, but I particularly appreciated seeing entries about how some providers are deploying cloud services and wireless services to improve public safety and transportation. Um, I'm thinking specifically about CradlePoint, which had actually two finalist spots in that category for its partnerships in Peachtree Corners, Georgia, um, and for a partnership with the Indiana Department of Transportation. And I, I like examples like this, and I think we're only bound to see more innovative, hyper-local examples of public-private connectivity partnerships um, as connectivity continues to improve throughout the U.S. Um, I thought it was also notable to see how some service providers are leveraging public-private partnerships and the influx of funding as a core part of their own business plans. Um, I'm thinking here of another finalist in that category, which is Consolidated Communications. Um, it was a finalist for its partnership with the Maine Connectivity Authority to expand its Fidium fiber brand to rural communities there. And Consolidated is doing this in a lot of communities, you know, leveraging these public-private partnerships to um, bolster its Fidium fiber build-out. Uh, so I thought the Maine one was a particularly interesting example. Um, 
So that's those are my thoughts on the public-private partnership category. I have another category I thought I would offer some thoughts on. If you are ready for those, I don't want to just keep <laughs> hammering away at you with my thoughts and feelings. Yeah, I just had a quick question. So, um, with the with the funding, is that federal funding dollars that they're they're generally using, or is it um, you know something different? Yeah. So there are so many buckets of funding. Um, for the most part, a lot of these dollars are coming from federal buckets of funding that are being funneled through the states in different ways. But some of the funding is from the FCC's Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, um, which went directly from the FCC to uh, the providers themselves. None of this funding, however, is from the uh, big bucket of the bead program because that funding um, won't start going out to service providers until 2024, 2025. Okay, great. Thanks. All right, on to the next category. What do you Yeah, have digital equity all-stars. I mean, classic, obviously, that I'm going to talk about this. Uh, the broadband broad, as they call me out on these streets. Um, <laughs> God. We're getting bumper stickers made I, right now. I, oh I got to keep my mouth shut. Um, okay. So yeah, digital equity all stars. The trend I noticed here was that rather than like one-off digital equity efforts, um, the entries really spoke to how innovations in technology are helping service providers reach unserved communities faster and with more digital tools. So I'm thinking, for example, of render networks, geospatial technology, which is helping accelerate rural deployments, um, as well as Ribbon's IP wave solution, which is also being deployed for rural builds like the Texas Lone Star Network, um, which is a pretty cool middle mile-ish uh, type of network in Texas. Uh, also thinking of Tirana's G1 product, which is accelerating fixed wireless deployments in unserved areas. Um, so the trend again was that our finalists seem to be mostly achieving digital equity by reducing deployment challenges for service providers. Okay, makes sense. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so what else do you have? One or I think you have like one or two more categories. Uh, no. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's what I've got for you today. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's I, was what just, I've got. I just got really excited. So yeah, I know. It's it's so exciting to talk to me. I understand. Everyone says that. Um but I can offer you, you know, a gripe if you're up for it. Oh, okay. Yes. I don't know if you're taking that in this podcast. No, I'm I'm curious. What what's the gripe? My gripe is simply this. We allow for three supporting links. Mm -hmm. Include them when you're submitting your entry. Yes. yes. That's all. That is very good advice. <laughs> That's all. I like a third party link, especially. Yeah. yeah. That's something I struggle with too. So Sometimes I, I give a pass when it's a link to uh, like Dropbox or Google. Oh, 100%. Those are my like, favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like, of course. Right, you understood the assignment, but. Oh, yeah. Um, and went above and beyond, but then there's yeah. somewhere it's like a link to someone's LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, Un unacceptable in my opinion. Listen. Luckily, I'm not the only one who gets to decide <laughs> these things, but that's just one woman's, you know, scream into the void. Yeah. Include so a supporting big, link. The big takeaway here is, uh, Nicole likes her links. So. She loves a link. She loves the link. <laughs> Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Thanks, Nicole. My <laughs> pleasure. Thank you, Kelsey.
Thank you so much, Nicole and Ian, for taking the time to talk today. And thank you to our amazing producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more insights and interviews from the team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. 